and welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. So I've been convicted lately of being bold with God. So when I pray, pray boldly. Pray big prayers, not little things. You know, it's God, of course God's in the little, and we like to say God's in the little things and He is in the details, but He's also in the big things. And often we don't wanna go there because if we go to the big things and the things we're praying for doesn't happen, then, then we can feel like we're a failure or it's not gonna happen. But God's really convicted me just recently. I was sitting with our prayer team on Monday night and I said, I just feel like we need to pray big prayers, believe for big things. And I wonder in our lives today whether, whether maybe we need to personally have that attitude in us, that we need to pray for big, big things, big prayers, that trust and believe God for the impossible, that when God says He's going to do something, He's actually going to do it. Imagine having a God that promises to do something and then follows through on that. Isn't that amazing, right? Hey, Jason, wouldn't that be great? Guess what? We do have a God that is like that, right? And uh, so I want us to be here today in the moment. I want, you to, I want you to come to God with an open heart and I want you to think big. I want you to think bigger than you're currently thinking. I want you to, inside of yourself, believe bigger than you're currently believing. Because, you know, often what I've found in life is that disappointment robs us of God's promises coming to pass. So we, we believe and we get disappointed because things haven't happened or, or something didn't go the way we thought it would or we, be, we, we had a time frame on it with God and, and God didn't come through on the time frame that we put on Him. But I wonder whether you could drop the time frame today but keep the promise. I wonder whether you could, you could like just kind of go, well, you know what, I'm just gonna believe God anyway even though it hasn't happened yet. I'm going to believe anyway that it will happen in Jesus' name. So we've been going through the book of John and I'm just going to go into John 20 and we're going to John 20 verse 1. So we all, you know, this, this passage obviously is, it's, it's more the, the resurrection story of Jesus and, uh, you know, so, you know, I'm not giving out Easter eggs today. Don't worry about that. Pockets are empty. But sometimes we just relegate this, this passage or this area of the Bible to that time of year. And we say, well, that's the Easter message. So that's what we preach at Easter time. But, but, but I think, you know, the Word of God is so much more broader than that. And, and sometimes we need to revisit these stories. It's like the Christmas story. Sometimes all we do is preach the Christmas story at Christmas. But it has such a for, for like broader reach and impact on our lives than just one moment or one day. And today, even this story can have an impact in your life if you would allow God to speak to you and stop thinking about the Easter bunny and, and all that kind of stuff for a moment and let Him speak into your heart because I believe God wants to speak to us. I believe God always wants to speak to us. Everywhere, every day, every moment, every service, every worship song, every single moment of every part of our life, God is talking to us. It's just whether we're hearing Him or not. 
And so God wants us to open our ears. So in this, this passage, let's read this passage. It says, On the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed. Hold that thought in your mind. The stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one who Jesus loved. Now, the one who Jesus loved is John. He's talking about himself here. And so he, you know, obviously, I don't know whether he's big noting himself here. Like, I'm the one that Jesus loved. The rest of them all got names. But if you want to know, I'm the one, you know. And uh, so he's talking about himself. He goes, the one that Jesus loved. Uh, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started to the tomb. Both were running, but... The, the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over <clears throat> and looked in at the, uh, the stripes of linen laying, on, uh, laying, laying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen laying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around his head. And the cloth was still laying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And that was in brackets. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. I love this because John is an exception to the rule of the other disciples in this story. All the other disciples didn't believe that Jesus had raised from the dead until Jesus revealed himself after he had risen from the dead. John was the only one that actually went into the tomb and and instantly, even though not fully understanding, it says, from Scripture, instantly knew that Jesus was resurrected. And that's why it says that he saw and he believed. No one else saw and believed. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and and thought that Jesus' body had been taken by somebody. And if you read in other, if you read on, um, you see that she she Jesus turns up in the environment. She thinks he's a gardener, and she's like, "Well, if you have taken him, please show me where you've taken him so I can get his body." And you know, and 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 and, and all this kind of stuff. But 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 for John, he. Saw and he believed. He saw and believed. Why? Because Jesus had said this was how it was going to happen. So his faith didn't come out of his current circumstance. See, often what we do is we, we're a little bit like Mary. If we don't see and believe, we see in despair. Because our current experience is not what we think it should be. So, or not what we've been praying for or not what we thought not how we thought it would unfold so we see it and we go to despair we go to disappointment we go to frustration we go to anger we go to all the all the things that is leading us away from faith but here's John he walks into this tomb he looks he sees the linen he sees everything that's there and it says he chooses to believe Jesus has been resurrected Jesus has been resurrected. Let's go back to verse 1. 
Because I think the significance of verse 1, it's so, such a significant uh, passage, which in John's writing, it kind of feels a little bit like he doesn't focus here. But when you read it in the other Gospels of Matthew and, and the other Gospels, you see that there's a focus on this, I, this, this part of the Scripture about the stone being rolled away. And so it says here, it says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. The stone had been removed. So the stone represented the impossible. The reason the stone was put there was to, to, um, to be able to stop anybody from removing the body so that the, you know, the, the Christians or the, the guys that followed Jesus and believed in Jesus wouldn't be able to say that Jesus was resurrected because the stone was there and it had a seal on it, the Bible tells us in Matthew, and, and there was guards stationed at the stone. And, and so the stone was there to try and say, God is dead and there's no life anymore in him. Basically, that was what they were trying to say, that this rumour, this story, that somehow this man is going to rise from the dead, well, we're going to prove him wrong. We're going to prove those guys wrong. Nobody will be able to get into that body. And it won't just be a stone, but we're going to put a, a royal seal. We're going to put a seal on that stone that cannot be broken. Uh, and, and, and if it is broken, it'll be at the point of death that you would be able to break that seal before the, the rulers said you could. And so we see Mary turns up to this place. And now the story goes that uh, Nicodemus and, and another man take Jesus's body and they put it in this tomb. And it was the day before preparation. So there wasn't a lot of time for them to, to sort Jesus's body out before there was a ceremonial thing taking place for the people. And so Nicodemus had all the spices and everything that they would use to put on the body. But uh, they, they, they seem to think the reason why Mary and, and, and actually another Mary was with her, uh, doesn't say it in this passage, but in a different uh, gospel that talks about it, is that they were going together to finish the work that Nicodemus couldn't finish before they laid Jesus to rest. So they were going there to finish off the work that needed to be done to, to, to make it final, to make it kind of finished, that Jesus would then lay in the tomb forever. And, and, and so she, her intent was to come and finish off something that had already taken place and that Jesus was dead and there was no life in him anymore. And it was, this was the final process of the, or, or thing to do in the process of Jesus being buried. And she turns up and she gets there and the stone has been removed. If you read in Matthew, she's, she's talking to the other Mary and she goes, who's going to remove the stone for us? And the reason she asked that question is because the stone is so big and so heavy, you can't just go and push it by yourself. It, it was intentionally that size to stop people from getting in the tomb. And so we see here that the stone had been rolled away. Yeah, the stone spoke of final, finished, done, never to ever be anything of importance ever again. The stone represented just the complete defeat of everything that the disciples believed. 
and, 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 and none of them but John even believed that Jesus resurrected until they were confronted by Jesus after the resurrection. And even then, you know, the story was going around and Thomas is like, well, I'm not going to believe it unless I actually see the holes in his hands and his feet. And then Jesus just actually rocks up and goes, hey, look, put your finger in there. And, 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 and he, but he had to prove them, prove to them that he was resurrected, but not for John. I wonder what stones are in our life. I wonder what things that we've deemed to be finished, to be final, that we feel have been a failure or, or we feel like didn't work out the way we thought they maybe will. Or, or I wonder what things in our life right now maybe we've given up on. Maybe, maybe we've let go of because, well, I was believing, but, but it didn't turn out the way I thought it would. Or I was believing, but a doctor told me uh, that, that it would be impossible for that to take place now because all the, all the information they have points in a direction that that's never going to take place. Or I was believing, but you know what? The doctor said, I just have to be on this medication for, for the rest of my life because, because that's just, you know, how they deal with this sickness in our life. You know, or I was believing and, 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 you know, what is the stone in your life? What's the thing blocking your ability to see the promise of God come to pass in your world today? What is it that you're facing? What is it that you've given up on? What is the dream that maybe you had that you've put down many, many, many years ago because, because it just hadn't worked out the way you thought it should? Because that's what the stone represented. They thought it, Jesus was the Messiah, that he was gonna, everything was gonna change. How could Jesus die when he was meant to be the one who was gonna turn it all around for us as a people? How could he die? And yet he did. And a lot of these disciples fell into the trap of disappointment. A lot of them were scratching their head going, well, what do we do now? How, what's going to, all these promises, all these things, none of it's going to come to pass. We might as well give up. We might as well just go back to fishing, which some of them did. And then Jesus turns up and he's cooking fish on the shore and they come in and, you know, and they have this encounter with Jesus. But I wonder what it is you've, that maybe you've given up on. That when you saw it, you went into despair instead of into faith. That when you heard those words, they turned your heart into a dark place instead of even the place where God resides. What stone is it you need to have rolled away today? You know what I love about this story? Is the stone was immovable for Mary. She wouldn't have had the strength the ability to move it. But yet God moved the stone for her. The Bible says that an angel came and rolled away the stone. And when she turned up, he was sitting on the stone. Who are you looking for? She goes, well, I'm looking for Jesus. Well, he's not here. He is risen, he says. See, because it's not about our ability to make things happen. It's not about things in our own strength to, 
to, to see these things come to pass in our life, often sometimes the reason they haven't come to pass is because we've meddled too much in the process to see them come to pass in our life. We've moulded them the way we want it to be. We've put our timeframes on God's promises and then have disappointed with God because He hasn't come through on the time schedule that we put on Him that He never said He was gonna do it in in the first place, right? So, so the best advice I'd ever been given in my whole life was from Pastor Andrew. He said, what if you just drop the time frame and just keep the promise? And all of a sudden the lights went on. I'm going, well, that's exactly how it should work. Why not I believe that God is able to do what He's promised to do and then leave the timing up to the man that created time in the beginning and knows how to make it work? Yes. All right, so, so, then, so then like drop, drop my expectation of this is when you should do it, God, and actually go, well, God, you do it when you, are, you know that I need it. You know exactly what needs to take place. In your timing, I believe it will come to pass. And often when we get to that position, the 11th hour time seems to be the time God likes to do it right at the last minute, right? When your heart's falling out, beating out of your chest because you're like, God, if you don't do this, this is all gonna fall apart. And all of a sudden God's bang, something takes place, right? Who's ever been in a situation like that? I've been in so many times where, where you're just like, God, come on, you gotta come through. You gotta come through, I'm trusting you. And the time's ticking away, ticking away, ticking away. And you're like, oh, and you get nervous, nervous, nervous. And then all of a sudden, God does what only He can do. And ultimately, that's what we want, is God to do what only He can do. Because we have nothing in us that would even come close to being able to move that stone other than believing that my God is able to do immeasurably more that I can even think or ask. <clears throat> John believed even though he didn't fully understand. And sometimes our greatest problem is we're looking for understanding. Why is the question we ask? And it's a, it's a debunked question because sometimes it doesn't matter why. Well, why hasn't it happened yet? Well, it doesn't matter why it hasn't happened yet. Just believe it can. Just believe that God is able and He is willing to do it. But, but it hasn't happened, Dave, and I've been believing for a long time. Well, you may need to believe for a long time more. But does that mean God won't do it? I'm telling you, unless you get a clear no from God, red light, stop, it's not going to happen, then we have no justification to stop believing that God is going to do it. Because often God is saying to us, and I've said this time and time again, when we think it's a no, often God is saying a wait. But we treat God's wait like a no, and then we act accordingly. So we, oh, well, that must be a no because nothing's happened. So then I give up on it. And you know what? When I give up and I stop believing, then it doesn't happen. Why? Because we're no longer speaking the language of heaven. We're no longer in faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. If we want to see God move, we have to stand in a place of faith and believe that God is able. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. You know what I can tell what someone is trusting in by what they're leaning on. I can tell what someone's trusting in by what they're leaning on. I know that those council workers are trusting in that that broom or that spade that they're leaning on, right? They're trusting in that. What you lean on in times of disappointment and, 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 and suffering and struggle indicates to me what you believe and what you trust. And I might have told this story before, but when Emma and I um, were getting married eons ago, um, we had our uh, Bucks party together, or Bucks party girls thing. What do they call the girls thing? Hands night or whatever. So we started off the the day together, right? And we started off at um, the Crown Plaza, I think it is, in, in, in Parramatta. And we had a friend that was into abseiling and he worked for a company. And we did this thing called rap jumping. And uh, I know I might have talked about this before to some of us. But anyway, bear with me because I've only got one good story. And, uh, <laughs> but, um, and I remember when we got, you know, rap jumping basically is abseiling. But instead of going backwards, you go forwards, right? So you run down the building and, uh, and you have a rope and you run all the way down to the bottom. And, uh, and it's quite an interesting, uh, uh, yeah, I'll never do it again. But it was fun at the moment. Um, you know, when a little bit of weed comes out and you don't want to tell anybody. But um, I remember at the top, right, watching people go before me and, and watching the instructors and they get you in a harness and they put the rope on. And then, and then you get to, then you get to, sorry, I'm just kicking the soccer ball back to, back to Remy so he can play. Um, <laughs> this is what you do when you don't have a kid's room, right? You have to entertain the kids. And, uh, but I remember like getting the harness on, getting the rope on, and then you get to a point where you get to the, you're standing at the edge of the building. And they go, right, now it's your turn. And you go, no, 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 I'll let someone else, no, 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 it's your turn, okay, okay. And they said, all right, all you gotta do, stand on the edge of the building, and I mean literally on the very edge of the building, you look down and it's nothing but down and concrete at the bottom. And they go, listen, when you go over, what you need to do is lean into the rope. I'm like, yeah, okay, no worries. No, no, they said, listen, you lean, keep your legs kind of bent a little bit, sort of lean over, let the rope take the weight, and then and just keep leaning out, and eventually you'll be, you'll be okay. So I remember being on the edge of this building, I'm like, okay, and then I, leaned, I had to lean into the rope, so I lean over the edge of the building, and, and the rope takes the weight so that you don't fall. And then, and then from there, you know, you, you let the, the cord off a bit and you can literally walk or you can run really, really fast so that you get to the bottom quicker, like I did. <laughs> and then, but you remember to pull the rope at the end. But, um, and I remember, I just remember that idea of like lean into the rope. Lean in. What you lean on, you trust in. And I had to trust that the, the instructor had done what he had promised to do, which was tie me off at the top so I wouldn't fall to the bottom, right? And often life's a little bit like that. We get in a situation with God, or we get in a situation in life, sorry, 
where we don't know the answer, we don't know how, you know, we don't, we don't know how to deal with the situation or, or we, we're believing God to bring breakthrough in something. And, 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 and it's going to take us leaning into Him and letting God take the strain, letting God take the weight of our, of our battle or our struggle or our suffering or our sickness or our, whatever it is. And, 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 and we've got to be willing to lean and trust that God is able to hold the weight Right? But we've got to lean in. And I, I feel like that's what God's saying to us today. Lean into me. Lean into the rope. Trust me. Trust me. I can tell if you're trusting because if you're trusting, you're leaning. Right? When I talk to people who are struggling with stuff, I can tell if they're leaning into Christ or not. Because if they're leaning into Christ, there's, an, there's, there's, a, there's a, like a, a feeling of expectation and faith in them, even though they don't understand. So this is to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Guess what that means? That you and, you and I are not going to understand sometimes, but we're going to lean anyway. Why? Because we may not understand what's going on, but what we do understand is that we have a, a Father in heaven and a Saviour that is able to take the weight of our situation. We have a God who is able to remove that stone, that blockage, and see His promise come to pass. But it's going to take us to see things differently. Because we can't afford to be like Mary, who saw and she despaired, who saw and she was lost because she didn't know where Jesus was. We've got to be like John, who saw and believed. He saw the current situation, the desperation of it, the brokenness of that situation. He saw what Mary saw. He could see exactly the same thing, but yet he had a different response because he chose faith over doubt. He chose to believe over unbelief. And that's where I believe the miracle lives. Will you believe even when there's everything screaming at you that there's no reason to believe? Can I have the team come back up? Bible says that the same Spirit in Romans, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same Spirit. Not a different Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. That tells me that we have the Spirit of God in us, the Spirit that looks at the impossible and says it's possible. The Spirit that saw a dead Jesus on a stone wrapped in linen and said, I can turn that around. I can change this situation. 
I can bring breakthrough in that situation. How blessed are we that we have that Spirit, His Spirit on the inside of us. So it tells us that no matter what we're facing, that nothing is impossible for God. Jesus said, it may be impossible for man, but nothing is impossible for God. And He also says somewhere else that nothing is impossible for Him who will believe. Isn't that amazing? What a great promise that we have in Christ. His very own words, that if you will believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So the battle is in believing. That's where we fight. That's where we struggle. You go, oh, but, but I doubted. Doubt's not the problem. It's what you do with doubt that's the problem. It's where doubt leads you. Because doubt has two, it's like a fork in the road. And doubt will either lead you to God or lead you away from God. But guess what? We make the choice. So I wonder what you're facing today. What is it you need a breakthrough for? What is it you've been believing for? What is it you've given up on? Because I believe that's where God wants to start. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.